1: other Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the they so blessed us play football.
0: Everything we had
1: to. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. I don't get
0: in my play against
1: you. and make his ass quit. That's our trademark. That's our M O. With the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline.
2: End zone.
0: This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear
3: the tide, honey badger. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, looks like we've got a custom made first opponent uh for Alabama's uh, opening game against Wisconsin Wisconsin. Their sort of offensive philosophy uh fell right into the strength of our defense. It was a Big Ten sort of uh conference that likes to get chippy with the SEC. And um you know, a name-brand sort of top-20 program, but I didn't think really at any point was the game ever in cont- in, uh, in conflict. What do you think?
1: No, we um, we played pretty well um, against a, a good, established football program, and um, I think it really helped. You know, it worked out in Saban's favor that they were preseason top-20. It counts as a top-20 win, um, but this is the type of team that, that we need uh, to start the season with. Because they do not present uh, issues that are weaknesses for us on our defense, and um, they play to our strengths on defense. and uh, offensively, uh, it's a good game to get some new receivers, some chemistry with the quarterback and um, and then it counts as a top twenty victory. So those yeah. are all good things.
3: It was all pop and no circumstance.
1: absolutely. what uh what what jumped out at you first? we we had talked last week about, you know things that we were looking uh, for. Um, did you did you cross any off that we were satisfied on on things you were looking for, or any outstanding things on those lists, or what caught your eye to start with?
3: Yeah, I think we got to start with the uh, the quarterback position. And for all of the talk and all sort of the kind of the you know the breathless chatter throughout the summer and fall camp about you know does Alabama have a starting quarterback, and if these guys are all sort of five co-starters, then You know, is there really anyone that can take uh, seize the reins and uh, and play the position? And and what I saw was really two quarterbacks that uh, that could. I was impressed with uh, obviously Coker, and uh, but I thought when Cooper Bateman came in, he played very smooth. He played very fast. I thought he was accurate with his passes. But uh, you know, hats off to the two quarterbacks. You know, I like I like uh, I went back and looked at Coker's line, and you know, Tommy, it was like you were scripting uh, the quarterback play. As he ended up with like the near perfect Tommy quarterback stat line, he was 15 of 21 for 213 and a touchdown.
1: No, absolutely, man. He, he was very close to that, to that 16 of 20 mark. And, you know, what I, what I noticed about Coker, and, and I'll touch on Bateman in a minute, is one thing that jumped out at me on this quarterback line uh, is the average per completion. And that does show me that we're trying to stretch the field a little bit because our average per completion was 12 yards. And typically, an average per completion for this team is going to be five, six, seven yards. So of his, you know, for both quarterbacks, of their completions, you know, for to have almost 300 yards passing on 22 completions, that's a big deal for Alabama quarterbacks. That shows me that we're looking down the field. And so when you go look at the stat line, no surprise, you know, Robert Foster, longest catch, 22 yards, O.J. Howard, 21, Mullaney, 22, and Drake, 33. I mean, to have four wide receivers with a long of over 20, that's very unusual, and that speaks to our pitching the ball around that that we're hoping to see.
3: Yeah, definitely stretching the field. I think we had uh, uh, nine receivers catch passes, seven uh, of those nine caught more than one. Uh, you know, so that's some ball distribution. I'll tell you the thing that impressed me probably the most about Coker and you know he's got a strong arm. We knew that he can work the ball down the field. We knew that that was uh, his strength. but what really impressed me with his play was his poise. And that poie, that poise sort of materialized in the touch that he was able to put on the short passes. There were times last year uh, where, you know, he'd hit someone in the flats, and it would just be a rocket. It would be a zip. And, you know, you're looking for that soft catch, you know, catchable ball, especially on those short passes. He was throwing them with a lot of heat, with a lot of mustard. And, you know, Saturday against Wisconsin, he just was putting the right amount of touch on him. He he was throwing a very catchable ball. And these these receivers, none of them had trouble catching his his ball. There were some long ones that were off just a little bit. But in terms of a very catchable ball, that's what he threw. And it was, it was a, a group of more inexperienced receivers, and, and none of them seemed to have any problem catching his ball. I thought that really, the fact that he was able to slow himself down, you know, half a beat, and put the right touch on the ball, really was representative of his comfort and his poise in the pocket uh, playing ball.
1: Oh, sure. And when you think that he had three new starters on the offensive line, yep. you know, happy feet would be something a quarterback could have. And and, and and
3: you know, he there was a couple early sacks. I just want to play off that, right? There was a couple early sacks, and so you could you could almost, oh, the formula is brewing for him to get off on the wrong foot." And it didn't. He just settled down, and you know kind of I, I kind of hand it back to you, but he kind of settled down,
1: didn't lose his composure and uh and played well. he did and and you know he he had two – he was sacked twice on the night. And so to your point, the the fact that the second, you know, the fact that the second sack occurred on that third offensive possession, you know, that was the end of the first quarter. And so he played, the, you know, the rest of the time he was in the game uh, for the majority of the second and third quarter and some of the fourth, you know, that was not an issue. Um, I, I, and so that was good to, to speak to the confidence of, of hanging in the pocket and uh, finding his receiver. Um, I will say very quickly that there was a couple times I noticed that he didn't go to his first guy. He went to his progressions, and and a couple times uh, he went to his third guy. Uh, a couple times he went to his second option. Um, you know, he 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 did the take what the defense gives you, and that was good to see.
3: Yeah, there. I, I wouldn't say that there was any blatant mistake that he made, but then there was still the opportunity for him to to go back and watch film and get better because there were a couple times. Uh, i know OJ o- howard with a, a, i thought a really good play design we set up uh, sort of a wide receiver screen with howard flanked out and he blocked uh the the cornerback uh the first play uh i think two three plays later we came back with the same formation howard went to block and then released down the field and he was wide open uh there was a there was like a 12 to 18 to 20 yard uh uh run there where he was just wide open <clears throat> and coker didn't see him uh, he actually completed the pass to another part of the field, and so you can't get too upset for that, but that's the kind of thing that he can go back and look on film hey we're we're running this setup over here with Howard. There's a good chance based on the you know sort of a high safety look that uh that he's gonna be wide open that there's gonna be a soft spot uh for him to hit there, and it's those types of things that he can add to his game incrementally as opposed to things that he needs to go back. Uh, and sort of rebuild within his game, so he will get better. But he demonstrated a mighty fine foundation on Saturday.
1: No, he did, and and just to be you know just to be fair on both fronts, um, I think that second sack he took, which turned out to be his last one, he gave up. You know, he he tried to do too much. Yeah. Um, you and I said during the game that that when you get free and you get that golden ticket, you get that you get that second life you got to do something with it. you got to throw the ball away. Even if – yep, even if – And he he didn't. And I I do want to point that play out for a second because there was a minute and a half left in the first quarter. We were up seven to nothing. But he gets sacked for a loss of 14 yards at our 14-yard line. Yep. And while I think it wouldn't have affected the outcome of who wins the game, these are young kids, and it's all about momentum. And so for the nose tackle to get uh, – for the nose tackle who wasn't the one who made the sack to get a 15-yard personal foul call on that play, instead of it being uh, – instead of it being third and 23 at the Alabama 14, it is first and 10 at the Alabama 29. That was huge, I think. Uh, that, that was a, a huge um, lucky break that Alabama got there. Yeah, you know, at the time. At the time.
3: Yeah. No, I I agree, and the officiating was kind of a mixed bag because there were some that you know we almost kind of felt guilty that the officials uh, were calling against Wisconsin, and then there were a couple that we didn't feel were appropriate for us, especially uh, a couple of the pass interferences. I thought, you know, hey, they could have just let them play, and so I I think it was a little bit of um, you know maybe suspect uh, officiating, but I think it burned both ways. If you look at it in aggregate, uh, now there were some you know uh uh pass interference calls against us that maybe the same type of type of physicality didn't go the other way and so if you kind of you know it depends on how granular you want to get if you look at it just across the board uh eh, it was probably it was probably uh some bad uh both ways we just had more penalties we just had 11 penalties for 120 yards and so um you know that was kind of crappy uh, a couple of them you know i think across the line can be cleaned up And then, you know, some with the, some with the in the secondary. I don't think we get those when it's SEC officials, but, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for the youngsters in the defensive backfield to clean that up too. And, you know, we'll talk about that when we get to defense.
1: No, absolutely. A couple of things I want to mention real quick. Uh, We look for the running back distribution. You know, we've always looked at when the running backs get carries. I thought it was interesting that to start the game, there's four rushes to Derrick Henry. Um, you know, it's kind of the Derrick Henry show on that first series, and then on the very next series, um, you know, uh, Drake gets a carry um, on the fourth play, and then two plays later, Derrick Henry. So I just thought it was interesting that starting on the second here second series, they flip flopped, and then on the very next series, Derrick Henry gets the first carry, Kenyon Drake gets the second. It was it was interesting for me to see that as you kind of go down this this drive chart. Um, it was pretty much, you know, whoever is in there is in there. There there really wasn't a uh, – there was a fairly equal distribution between the two.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. And that's, you know, that's something – we didn't talk about it during the game, but, you know, we both observed it during the game. You know, it used to be very formulaic. You know, the starter's going to get the first – uh, and, it, you know, depending upon the, the sort of the separation between the first and second guy, the starter is going to get the first two or three possessions. And then, you know, the number two guy is going to get, you know, is going to come in and get uh, and get the next one. And, you know, even when it was, you know, Trenton and Mark and and, you know, Eddie Lacey and, and Yeldon, even when it was, you know, kind of name brand guys, it was still a two possession. One possession, a two possession, one possession, and then later in the game it might go one, 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 one kind of kind of deal. But this is this is much more, you know, like you said, whoever's in there, it's it's uh, it's it's there's no there's not the same sort of rhyme or rhythm to it. It's gonna be you know one possession, next possession, one possession, next possession. But then but then it's not even that because it could be uh, you know within a possession, and then and then let's just mix it up a little bit more they they're, sometimes they're both in there at the same time and Drake is split out wide. And so you start to think, well, what's the distribution when they're both in there at the same time, then it becomes, well, how do we just manage their reps? So they have wind when we need them. Uh, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's oh, less absolutely. about the distribution, uh, it, but it's more about, okay, who's winded and let's kind of rotate in that way. And we use the formations to sort of manage when, how they're winded and how we're, you know, how we're keeping them fresh in that regard.
1: Oh sure, and that's where we talk about the depth charts for Alabama, right? I mean, a little bit less than they do for other schools, and this just shows the depth. And this is this is hard for the defense, right? Because we can we can pass the ball out of the backfield to Derrick Henry or Kenyon Drake. We're probably going to do more to Drake in that situation, but we're not really showing our hand like we talked about with OJ Howard in years past. Yep. And so that was nice. Um, also, want to quickly mention that it was very refreshing to see uh, on the receiver chart you know, two receivers with four catches and then two two with three and three with two. I mean, that was just great. And Noah, you know, I love some Amari Cooper. Glad he was an ambassador for the University of Alabama. Um, But we talked about how sometimes it was, you know, just too much of a load to one guy, uh, as great as he was. And um, I really love – I think it makes a – it makes it more – um, it makes it so much harder for the defenses to prepare for this type of, of attack. And so on the second series, his first pass is to Robert Foster for 22 yards, and then I'm going to catch Mulaney across Dragon for 22, and then I'm going to throw it to some Derrick Henry. And on the very next drive, I mean, you know, Kenyon Drake, the first pass, Stewart, the next one, O.J. Howard, the next one, Robert Foster, the next one. I'm sorry, that's just so refreshing, okay? And Foster was the touchdown. So you sit there at the – you know, you're literally at your 26 yard line, okay, and you were facing a second and 22. And four passes later, you score a touchdown after throwing to four deadly weapons. Yeah, I, that's just awesome. That's just not Alabama. That's what we've been calling for, but that's not what we have seen in the past several years.
3: Yeah, I, I love the distribution and uh, and an opportunity to go back and and listen to uh, Coach Saban's. I guess his press conference after the game, and then he had a press conference today as well. And someone was asking him about uh, about the uh, the pass distribution. And and you got to love Coach Saban. He he will give answers in the context of right now. And so whatever is like whatever's in the bowl right now, I'm going to answer your your question only within that context. But as fans and as media, and not that we're media, but we're fans and in the media asking questions, right? They sort of operate we kind of operate in a larger context and so Saban you know was was talking about we didn't plan to throw to that many receivers they just threw the ball to the right receiver at the at you know given that the what play was called What you know he you know he said he he, and he went in and sort of elaborate he said we call the play we don't know what the defense is going to line up and so you know depending upon what the defense is that adjusts our route and that tells us who the best, you know, who the receiver is. And so we can't predict, you know, who's going to get the ball and who's not and, and try to sort of game plan for, uh, you know, spreading the ball around. It just happens because when the quarterback throws to the right person, it just happens. And you can say, yep, I understand coach Saban. That makes a lot of sense. However, I saw how we played last year, and we got eighty whatever catches to Amari Cooper. You can't tell me that that was not scripted, that that was not planned, and so you can't kind of have one without the other. And Correct. So,
1: you can't have it. You can't have it both ways. I think you just Correct.
3: have to say, "Yeah, Coach, I know what you're saying, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hooked on, on
1: Yes, yes, and and it goes back. You can call it take what the defense gives you, whatever. But to your point, last year we forced some balls to Amari Cooper when you know. You know, we 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 forced some balls to Mari Cooper, but you know, we wanted we were surprised defenses didn't double cover him more than 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 he did, you know, than they did, right? We talked about that. Why are guys not, you know, one guy, one corner and safety over the top? Well, they played him single coverage, he got open, we fed him the ball. But there were times that, you know, there were other guys wide open. I think I think la I think in this game, um, the quarterback was able to scan the field some yes he missed oj howard on that one play but he was able to scan the field more yeah. and um let me let me just mention on the oj howard play that that you mentioned that was scripted you know i hope that just tells me that they were trying to get him involved early and get him you know maybe he's one of these guys that has to get a catch early to to really get up and running and um if that's the case then i hope that's lane kiffin saying we're going to script a play that is a high level of success uh that can try to get him the rock early.
3: Yeah, and I like that play because it it kind of nods to what we did last year with some wide receiver screens and so, you know, okay, here's your wide receiver screen. You got the you know, it's typical Alabama stuff. Oh, what? You released the you released the tight end and now he's wide open. And so it kind of lulls you in, lulls you in, and then all of a sudden there's a big play opportunity. And so I look forward to seeing that again and I look forward to uh us uh you know, to us, uh, us hitting that, um, you know, I just want to hit a little bit on, uh, you know, we had just our offensive production, 502 yards. Uh, we had eight, uh, we had an eight play 88 yard drive for a touchdown. We had a six play 90 yard drive uh, for a touchdown, both in the first half. We had a seven play 67 yard drive. And there were times, literally we said this to one another in the stands, we're making it look too easy. We're making it, we're making it look too easy. And I, I thought, I thought the same thing. And I just think, you know, I'm just impressed all of the weapons kind of all over the field. And then, and it kind of goes back to, you know, if you were, if you were molding a perfect uh, opponent for a game, it's Wisconsin, right? Because, because we almost played a little bit of cat and mouse and I'm going to simplify this a little bit, but you know, if you watch the game and and we're kind of paying attention and it's some of this stuff is easier to see in the stadium, but um you know, we would split the tight end out wide, even when it was a big tight end Dakota ball, we'd split the tight end. And we've seen, you know, Alabama do this for the last couple of years. And the whole idea is to sort of thin out the box, right? So it, it's a little easier to run. But we would split out Dakota ball out wide. They would take a, you know, a linebacker out with them. And what would we do? Pound the ball up the middle. And I know there's I know it was different plays, right? I mean, it's the same concept. We're gonna run between the guards. Now there may be 20 different running plays that that will allow you to do that. But we basically said, okay, as long as as you're going to follow our tight end outside with a big linebacker, then we're we're going to run up the middle and uh, we're going to we're going to expose where you're taking away a strength of your defense. And I thought, you know, that would then with some of the passes and then some of the big runs, it was it almost was too easy, but it's like Wisconsin was letting that be the case.
1: No, you know, you made a comment during the game that, you know, we're, we're content on trying to pound this ball up the middle, right? And we're going to, and we're going to make this work. And, and that's interesting because two of our new offensive linemen are guards. Mm -hmm. Granted, they've played a little, but they're next to a center and they're trying to work on communication. And it's their first game start. It's a, it's a new starting five. So for us to be, you know, we didn't do any tall sweeps, right? We didn't do any, um, counters very much. We didn't do any trap blockings. You know, it's almost like they said, okay, we know Alfonso Taylor is a strong son of a gun and we know he can just, you know, it, let's keep this simple and let's just bolt, let's just have them, ru- you know, pass, oh, excuse me, run block forward. And let's just power them and do what we do. And, um, you know, it, it's almost like they tried to to not overcomplicate things for the assignments and the communication of the offensive line. Y'all just get up to the line of scrimmage, and Derek Henry's going to pick which hole is open—the one hole, the three hole, whatever—and he's going to go. And um, and we're going to do it that way.
3: Yeah, we ran some tight uh, some traps with it, with sort of the inside tight ends, but uh, you know, you know the ones that we didn't, I guess, flex out. But but we did run run some traps, but not like you think of like the old sort of chance format, you know, pulling and. And, uh, you know, kind of pulling a guard. Uh, You know, it's interesting to think that, you know, we started three new linemen, but they've all played before. And so that just shows you the depth, right? Wisconsin started three new linemen. They had not played a whole lot. Our our starting, you know, three linemen, you know, Pierce Barker uh, got a lot of snaps last year. Um, You know, Shanks actually started the season last year. And then, uh, you know, Dom Jackson, uh, you know, caught some playing time as well. And so – uh, you know, that just points to the depth and that we were able just to kind of to to build on that. Anything in particular you want to mention about, uh, you know, there's a lot of players we're talking about, Henry and Drake and Ardarius and Mullaney and Foster and O.J. Howard. I mean, a lot of just fantastic play. Anyone in particular you want to call out?
1: You know, before I do that, I just want to mention very quickly, when you mentioned those two long drives, um, Wisconsin, you know, all teams want to pin teams. In deep and and win field position, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just want to mention for the listeners the starting field position on the six drives that we had in the first half. We started the game at the 20, then the 10, then the 16, then the 12, then the 13, and then the 16. And so, to this team's credit, to score two touchdowns, okay, granted, the other three was a, we had three punts. We ended the half and two touchdowns. But to score, for, for for to have your starting six possessions with a new quarterback and three new linemen and new receivers, et cetera, and most of those uh, possessions start behind your 20, right? That's a tough position, right, in, in, a, in, a, in a neutral site. And so on those two touchdown drives, one of those drives was a two-minute possession and one was a four-minute possession. So I want to quickly mention that because I was kind of hard on the team that we barely won the, the time of possession in this ballgame. But that speaks to the weapons, and that's not Alabama in the past, right? Alabama in the past on a 90-yard drive would have taken 11 minutes off the clock. Right. And to show that we can score on a two-minute drive and a four-minute drive and pretty much go the length of the field, that just shows if we need to do it, we can. And that's nice to have that in the repertoire. Yeah. And,
3: and part of that, you know, part of that is Henry breaking off long runs. So it is kind of funny that, you know, we were able to score quickly, but in some cases we were scoring quickly with the power running game, which, you know, that kind of defies, uh, you know, how you would typically define it uh, as well. But yeah, it is interesting. You know, it's a good point, right? They, you know, one of the key things is you want to try to back up a, a, a team and, and they did that, but we responded well. Uh, and again, I think that kind of, uh, that that's another sort of positive foundational point uh for this offense.
1: Well, um the the I wanna I wanna mention or, or are you asking me for my game ball on offense? Well, not quite yet, but uh okay.
3: you know, if if I I just want I didn't want to pave over uh a key player or a key moment that you wanted to you wanted to discuss.
1: Okay. okay. So I'll you know, I, I I I've got a couple that I want to mention, but I want to save them for game ball. So I'm I'm good, I'm good on that front.
3: Okay, well, I'll hit a couple things then, uh, and you can just jump in. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was the third double or if it was just me being super excited, but when we brought in our second offensive line, I like that we moved Pierce Spocker over. Now, you know, that meant that he didn't get much rest <laughs> on the day, but uh, as a redshirt freshman starting at the, at the left guard, I like the fact that, uh, that we slid him over to left tackle and he got some reps uh, at left tackle. I liked that. I thought that was really good. One of my pet peeves at the end of the second quarter, um, you know, we had the ball with uh, right at about a minute left. We had the opportunity. And it's one of those things I always like to say that in in this moment, our number one objective is to keep the ball out of their hands. And uh, and we failed to do that. And then we shanked the punt. Uh, Fortunately, they missed. uh, They hit the upright on their field goal attempt. And then, they, of course, they had the ball coming out uh, at half, too. So, you know, we've seen it before. I think it happened twice last year where going into half and then coming out of half, uh, an opponent will have a 14-point swing. And uh, I want to say Tennessee did that. There was a couple of teams, I think, that did that last year and really changed the complexion of a game. because that's like 14 points with no time coming off the clock. Um, and And that can be a killer. And so it annoyed me that, we're going to give them a chance to score points when we could have just run the ball out and run the clock out and you know like i said fortunately they didn't get any but uh I, I found that to be frustrating and then and then just one more point and you know this is this would be like such a minuscule mini game ball that i'm just going to call this guy out and then i'm still going to give him mini game ball but man if you want a player to watch and we've talked about michael williams and we've talked about the h back and we've talked about a lot of things man, if there's a player you want to watch to kind of fill in some of those roles, it's Dakota Ball. I was so impressed with some of what uh, what he did, and not just what he did, but what we allowed him to do. We flexed him out. We ran him in routes. Um, if, we ha- if we were watching for him, he could have had, I know one, because he was wide open in the back of the end zone, and uh, he was wide open a couple other times. He could have had two or three catches. I'll take that back. He could have had three or four catches. He might could have had two touchdowns. Uh, he played very, very well. And then I spotlighted him uh, when he was running or when uh, when we were running as well. And he was aggressive, kind of mauling at the point of attack. Dakota Ball's a guy that uh, is going to be one of those unsung Michael Williams-type guys that's going to contribute to this offense. So I just say write his name down and keep an eye on him.
1: Okay, um, you ready for my mini game ball? Yeah, give me that mini game ball. All right, real quick before I do that, I got a comment on your uh, Pierce Barker comment. Um, I think that says more to uh, a lack of depth at the tackle position. Um, I'm glad Cam Robinson, when when he was you know a little banged up, it was it was really nothing a few weeks ago, because he's got a true freshman behind him uh, on the depth chart, and then we've got a you know another converted defensive lineman behind him. Um, you know we've got some depth at some of the line positions. Okay, at right guard I'll give you, but when you think we've got Brandon Green that we just brought back over from tight end who's backing up Dominic Jackson at right tackle, right tackle. and you look at left tackle, I'm sorry we get a we have a tackle go down. There's gonna be there's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. So I, oh. I, I'll just say I hope Cam Robinson. All all teams could say that about their left tackle. But as as excited as I am about some of the depth at some of the backup positions, um, I think that's Pierce bocker They know Pierce bocker needs to get some work in, in, in case Cam Robinson goes down because they know they can bring a Bradley Bozeman in there uh, at left guard if they need to and slide him to left tackle, and they're hoping that can be a backup plan.
3: Yeah, and I and I hear what you're saying, and and I'm I'm not going to argue against what you're saying because kind of I feel like we're saying the same thing. We're just looking at it a little different we're just seeing it a little bit different. The fact that we're doing that is because we don't maybe have a true second team. Okay. That's fine. But what, but what are we doing? We're actually trying to do something about it. Uh, You know, there's been times where the whole line would go out and we put some over there, somebody over there, they would struggle. Now I thought the second unit struggled just altogether, but we would struggle. And then when we had an injury, we would not have a backup plan. And so now the second unit struggled, but we got Pierce Walker, some reps out there and, you know, God forbid we actually have an injury at the position, but we'll have a better, but if, if we'll have a better idea of what we have to solve that need. So you and oh, i I, sure. Oh, sure. Oh, I'm, sure. I'm
1: just, I'm just pointing it out and I'm saying yeah. that that also shows that Ryan Kelly has developed and they, they want him to stay at center that also shows me that they want the 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 fifth year senior to anchor the line and call the plays versus uh JC you know that they would prefer for Pierce Bocker to float out and Bozeman float in next to Kelly as their that just tells me what their backup plan is if they get there that's all
3: yeah and i think they're still you know fleshing it out and and working on it and but 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 proactively working on it and i respect that
1: um, All right, so let me let me let me mention my game balls to you. My my first game ball is going to uh, is going to go to Cooper Bateman,
0: okay. and um,
1: it's just because it's refreshing to see a backup quarterback come in and be allowed to do something besides hand the ball off. Yes, that is not Alabama football. Uh, normally, the the backup comes in and he hands off a couple uh, handoffs. And there's a minute left in the game, and we're good. And so for them to, you know, they talked about the accuracy of Cooper Bateman. We've seen flashes of Cooper Bateman. But to just have a backup quarterback come in, be allowed to attempt eight passes and complete seven of them is just damn refreshing.
3: Yeah, I thought he played very, very well. He looked very smooth and poised. He's he's fast. Uh, it was neat to kind of see him come out. And uh, and then I thought he was accurate in his first uh, first few passes, and so that was good to see him come out. And uh, you know, I'm excited, not that I'm rooting for Cooper to or for uh, sure, Cooper not but to it's play. Good well. to know you got that right? It's I'm excited. excited, we got two guys,
1: yeah. Who
3: uh, who's your game ball? I'm giving my mini game ball, and I'll be quick because I think we've kind of talked about it, but I'm giving my uh, mini game ball to, to Ryan Kelly. I like uh, you know, he helped to anchor the line, three new starters, he had you know, one. Uh, he had a new starter flanking him on each side. Uh, he allowed no sacks, no pressures, no hurries, uh, and no penalties. So, uh, I, And then, you know, we did a lot of running up the middle, too. And so Ryan, uh, I thought, played well in that regard. So I'm giving my mini game ball to Ryan Kelly.
1: All right, man. We'll uh, flip the field on defense. What's the – you know, we 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 talked about the center of that defense with linebackers and and safeties and – how, how do you think Eddie Jackson and uh, uh, how do you, how do you think Eddie Jackson and Geno looked in their in their first game uh, side by side?
3: Yeah, I thought they looked good. Uh, you know, Eddie Jackson had you know four tackles and and a pick later in the game. Uh, the, you know, their corners can you know transitioning into a safety position. Now Geno played uh, mostly some star, and so that may more closely approximate a safety. You could say closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Eddie Jackson is a pure corner, started at the position uh, some of each of the last two years, and now he's uh, getting a go at uh, the safety position. So this is going to be a little bit of uh, transition and uh, evolution that we're going to see across the defensive front. You know, Marlon Humphrey, I thought, uh, played well, and he's a redshirt freshman seeing his first action. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick is in there. He's a true freshman. Uh, we've got two converted safeties playing uh, our two converted, you know, corners playing safeties, and so, you know, the unit is going to have to get a feel for itself, but they will be demonstrably better week over week. And by the time this unit gets into uh, into midseason form, it's going to be one of, if not the absolute most most athletic, you know, secondaries, um, you know, in the country. And and we saw us uh, start to do some neat things with that. I thought we sent safety blitzes, and again, our safeties are corners. Uh, we sent sa- uh, corner blitzes. Uh, I think M- Minka actually got a, uh, uh, and so you think of uh, blitzing a freshman is is you know from the secondary is interesting, but he actually picked him up a, a sack. And so you know you take a corner blitzing from a safety position, they're already faster because they they have corner speed, but. They're not leaving, you know, but then you have a corner sort of backfilling them. And so sometimes if you blitz a corner, you have a safety stepping over, right? Well, if we blitz a corner, we have a safety stepping over that is actually, you know, corner skilled. And so we're going to get to the pressure faster, and we're going to be able to cover better with who we have uh, we leave in coverage. And that starts to be just so stinking dynamic. Uh, I think quarterbacks, you know, again, once we get in the form, Quarterbacks are going to have fits
1: with that. Well, I, I I think two things there with the with the with the safety position. Um, you know, I was surprised to see the interchangeableness uh, of Eddie Jackson and Geno Smith. Uh, you know, this this goes back to the depth chart and how much meaning does it really have if you have the depth that you want to have. And so, we made the analogy of uh, Derek Henry and and uh, Kenyon Drake, right? And who had the hot hand? Well, I kind of felt like Eddie Jackson and Geno Smith played that way a lot. Um, It was like Geno Smith was center field on a single high one time, Eddie Jackson the next time. uh, Geno, you go get down in the box this time. Eddie Jackson, you go get down in the box this time. And so, you know, you mentioned the the blitz factor. Well, think about this. If you can interchange those two guys like that, then it brings – a blitz from another level, right, from another level of the defense um, and in a different position. So now the quarterback starts to think, well, damn, where are they coming from this time? Are they coming from the slot uh, star position? Are they coming from the outside corner, right? Now you could sit there and put Gino in the box in a nickel and you could still, you know, blitz Eddie Jackson from up high, you know, back high if you wanted to, and he could still get there because of his speed. And so, and so now you can you can do all kind of things as far as where you bring the blitz from. And so I was I was happy to see that both players were calling parts of the defense. They both had responsibilities, and um, it really it wasn't obvious to the average fan who was the free safety and who was the strong safety.
3: That statement alone is, I find, kind of wrapped in humor,
1: but I. But I agree with you, you agree where i i don't mean that against the fan, but you get what i'm saying if you have if you just hadn't watched us play very much and and you knew where the strong safety was supposed to line up and the free was supposed to line up, and you watched that game, it's like, well, why are they playing each other's positions who who's who
3: yeah, and that's kind of a, 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 you know and if i'm being jerky i'm I'm being jerky then, but that's where I'm, that's where it's kind of funny where the average fan wouldn't be able to know who the free and safe is. well, your average fan probably doesn't know what a free and a free and 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 strong is, but I I get your point. Even if you knew what you were kind of looking for, the fact that we were kind of a little bit interchangeable uh, with those, I, you know, I thought, I thought was interesting. And, you know, in, you know, how, how sort of wonky do you want to get in, in sort of the the film room aspect of it, but uh, it can, it can toy with a quarterback and it can toy with, uh, with coverages as well. Um, Our blocking schemes as well. Right. Because, you know, because you're gonna. I'm looking for 24. 24 is the strong. 24 is the strong. I'm looking for 24. Why is 24 way back there? Why is four or
1: 24? It could totally should. screw up a quarterback, right? In his yeah. pre-snap reads, right? It could totally be unsettling.
3: And 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 you might think you might think, and and again, if you think a sort of a prototypical prototypical strong and a prototypical free, are you get different time types of mismatches, right? And so I may want to tight end on a free but not a strong you know that that type of situation or i may have an oj howard and i'd rather have him matched up on a strong rather than than a free and so you're trying to sort of play that matchup game and then well which is which and who would i rather have cover you know based on what what i how i would typically define those positions and so you know, I think teams will kind of quickly just kind of get past that. If he's lined up there, that's what he is. Don't worry any more than that because, you know, that's that's what it'll be. But, you know, that can, it can mess with uh, the opposing offense in, in some ways, and I think that can be fun too.
1: Hey, hey, one other thing, you know, there's going to be a theme to this podcast, but, you know, maybe it's called the interchangeableness of, of this team uh, that defines them. But, you know, the same thing happened at the defensive front. Um, It's so nice to see, you know, with teams, you know, being able to create, you know, um, you know, this no huddle uh, offense, you know, defenses have to have the ability to 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 make changes without, you know, rotating and substituting players. And it's so nice to see, you know, having with some of these guys having dropped some weight, um, you know, and, and still added some strength it's nice to see an A'shawn lining up outside on the right one time and left the next and over the center the next. And, you know, it, it was nice to see how interchangeable we were with so many guys rotating in there.
3: Yeah. And it was neat to kind of see some of the, uh, uh, some of those Wisconsin linemen talk about, you know, that, that, that 86, you have to know where he is. And, uh, you know, of course we've been saying that for a couple of years now, but you know, uh it, you know their running back kind of piped off you know that oh you know we just weren't in our groove there was nothing hard about running against these guys but you know almost to a man their offensive line was like yeah they were really physical they were really tough there's a couple of those guys you have to watch for on every play and so it is it's funny like the lineman didn't have his back
1: <laughs> no no not at all hey uh one of one other thing i want to mention real quick is um uh, I was happy with uh, Denzel Duvall. Uh, it was nice to see him come back. Um, there was a couple times that, you know, he he didn't do anything overly flashy, but, you know, he was in the backfield and, and contributed to pressure. Um, he held up at the point of attack on on rushing plays to let the linebackers be free and, and fly to the ball. Um, in his first game back, um, he's a guy that I think will continue to improve off that injury. Um, the same the same way that Dante Hightower did, and um, I uh, I thought he had a good first game.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I, as a whole, I think our linebackers acquitted themselves well. Uh, you know, they got caught in coverage a couple times, and that's something that I think that we can start to manage down. Uh, but we played a lot of Saban, what I would call the the Saban base, where you know we played a, a lot of true three four with uh, with four DBs. And so I think we can, you know, as we start to play more nickel, and you and I kind of call that our base because that's what we play most of the time. Uh, uh, but against this team, we went more with a sort of a Saban base, a, a true 3-4, and that kind of caught our linebackers, you know, in coverage a couple times. Not too bad, but, uh, you know, but it happened. But I'll tell you, it's it's kind of funny. We, we said that, uh, you know, coverage with our linebackers has been a weak spot we like our, we like our linebackers and we, especially, you know, Reggie Ragland is, is kind of an old school middle linebacker. And so what does he do against an old school school, uh, running Wisconsin team, you know, nothing but rack up 12 tackles, right. Just like you would expect, uh, an old school middle linebacker to do.
1: No, that's for sure. And it was nice to see Eddie Jackson with six solos, right. Being number two there, you know, it was like, it was, it was nice to see him flying around to the ball. um, you know it we we kind of went into this game saying who was going to be that linebacker right who was not going to be in on certain place uh it it appears to it appears to to us that Reuben Foster uh was was lining up in more of the nickel formations and yep. it seemed like Sean Deion Hamilton was next to Reggie on more of the this is going to be a run and play um and so it was it was nice that they was able to utilize both of those players um you know ruben had a, a key uh, tackle uh, of a wide excuse me of a running back in the flats and uh, prevented a first down flew to the ball made a good tackle and uh that was good for the kid I, I i thought that i thought when he was in there um he did some good things and uh between him and raglan and and hamilton you know inside um they uh, they all did some things well.
3: Yeah, and they had a good rotation pattern, right? Where it would be, you know, Ragland with Deion Hamilton, it'd be Ragland with Reuben, uh, and then you know, every once in a while for a couple of plays, you might see a Reuben and a Deion Hamilton in there together. And then and then that's sort of just the true rotation when they were playing, you know, the Saban base or the true three four. You know, we did go to nickel some, and then we saw some rotation you know, based on what we did there. And we would see more Jonathan Allen kind of rotate in. And so it was neat to kind of see the, the sort of the sub-packaging and, and uh, you know, who was, who was coming in. You know, and it goes to – and this is how we've talked about depth charts and how we've talked about saving. And every 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 sort of minuscule role or every sort of sub-package has its own set of starters. And so we talk about is it – it's Ragland and who's the other middle linebacker. Well, there there's a reality that says – all three of them are starters. It's just it's just package dependent. And I th- I think that's a neat thing that he does to breed competition within the lineup and within the roster.
1: Oh, absolutely. I um I thought, you know, Sean Deon Hamilton, you know, there was a couple, you know, couple things in past coverage that he was slow to react um but he, you know, overall uh, in his, you know, we'll call it his first start as one of the three uh, inside starting linebackers. Um, you know, I think he, uh, he had a good day. Um, he, uh, he finished, uh, pretty high up there on the, on the, uh, on the total. I think he ranked third or fourth for the team. And, uh, with, uh, four solos, yeah, he finished third, four solos and two assists. So, uh, so that was good. Um, Jonathan Allen, which we didn't touch on very much, you know, two tackles, you know, two sacks, uh, which was his two tackles for loss. And, um, you know, uh, you know Ryan Anderson contributed as well. I mean, you know, you know, Darren Lake. Darren Lake was in there a couple plays and was getting a push up the middle and uh, was doing some things. And so I, I, think, I think we're finally starting to see the depth um, really materialize for this team. And uh, there was many, many guys. You know, Jerron Reed had a quiet one solo and four assists, but he was all over the place too. And so it's nice that we've got so many guys here that we could talk about on the defense.
3: Yeah, a very active front, uh, you know, and we knew that that was going to be the case. That's going to be certainly a strength of uh, of the team. But, uh, you know, it's it's fun to see it play out, right? It's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to see. You know, we held Wisconsin to 40 total rushing yards. Again, this is a power, you know, run, run first team. We hold them to, you know, 40 total rushing yards uh you know 64 if you adjust for the sacks and so that's still not a big number. Uh it's seven so, punts. Seven
2: punts. And
3: and if you take the 40 net yards, if even if you take the 64 yards, you know, they had one rush for 25 yards. And so you think, well, a rushing team is going to be able, you know, you know, to get in and sort of break one. And so you look at it and you say, you know, over a third of your yards, I mean significantly so uh, over a third of your yards, you know, 40% of your yards came on one play. Uh, you know, that's 12 seconds out of a 60-minute ball game, right? That's pretty darn impressive uh, in terms of, um, you know, our run defense.
1: Oh, absolutely. and And just one more thing real quick, you know, for this defense. You know, we come out of the half, okay, in the third quarter. It's still a tight game. They had five plays for eight yards three plays for four yards, three plays for zero yards, right? And then they they got a field goal. So we come out for the second half, four out of their first five drives were punts. Whereas an offense, we come out, touchdown, missed field goal, touchdown, missed field goal, touchdown. So we, we could have had five scoring opportunities in a row, and uh, they only have one field goal. So it was nice to see us come out the way we did in the third quarter.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Give me, uh, give me anything a, give else me on a, defense you want to
1: talk through, or do
3: you want to no, hit me in a game
1: no, no, I'm good, man. I'm I'm ready to give you my game ball. Let's do it. All right, so my game ball uh, is going to be to my man Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, I, I didn't touch on him a minute ago when I was covering all the guys. Um, obviously, Fitzpatrick did a did a you know played very well uh, as a true freshman, and we talked about a lot of guys. But I just want to touch on Dalvin Tomlinson because he obviously has had to overcome some adversity. Um, you look at the line and you're like, okay, no solos and two assists, big deal. But then you go across to the right and you see three pass breakups. So three times he got that big mid-up of his at the line of scrimmage and he caused an incompletion and, uh, you know, made a play with his hands and being active. And so for three pass breakups, that was good to see.
3: Yeah, you're reading my mail again. I I was going to go with Tomlinson on uh, uh, his play. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, is, is, always been, you know, he's always been the guy that's going to be the high motor guy and, you know, consecutive seasons. And and I think even coming out of high school, he had, uh, he had injured his knee. And, uh, I think a couple of times, uh, while at the capstone, he's injured his knee. And so the fact that, that he's come back, uh, I think he played most of last year healthy. And then this year kind of coming back healthy. Um, you know, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad to see him back and, uh, I'm glad to see him have a productive day. So, Hats off to, uh, uh, to Dalvin Tomlinson.
1: All right, man. So talk me some JK Scott, man. You were talking about this jumbotron and, and, and what's up with, with your boy, JK Scott and, and, uh, and this big jumbotron,
2: you know, I, and,
3: and I don't know this, I'm just speculating on this, but he seemed to kick everything off the side of his foot. Uh, you know, there was some talk that, uh, that his drops, uh, you know, he was kind of misreading his drops. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I, I just thought, you know, and what I said at this in the stadium is it just, it just felt like that the jumbotron was in his head, that he didn't want to hit it. And, you know, he, I mean, his, his kicks are just booming, soaring kicks and you think that, you know, his normal kick would hit it every time. Uh, it just seemed that he was trying to kick a low ball and that was disrupting his, his timing that was disrupting his normal rhythm. I think if he gets back in an open air venue, my prediction is next next week. Uh, you know, if we have if we have to punt, uh, that next week he is hitting some some sky shots.
1: Well, he he obviously started out with a forty three yarder and then he had a forty six yarder. Uh, it is fortunate that he only punted four times on the day. Um, but to your point. Um, it's good that we didn't have to have him late in the game, right? It's good that this wasn't a, a field position type of situation, but, but it was like the Jekyll and Hyde because he had two really good punts. Um, and then he had that lovely 20 yarder and and then just a, you know, meager 38 yarder, which is not his thing. Um, tell me, tell me about the, um, you know, I probably should have started off for the listeners, uh, about the thing you're most fond of. Um, how did you like the, uh, uh, the we won't I won't mention their names to start with, but how, how did you like this uh, giving up all this field position uh, as far as our our kickoff returns as as I as I look at the the stats here, um, you know one time here kickoff we started at the twenty, next time kickoff we started at the twelve, uh, next time uh, we started off at the seven, so yeah, so we had four kickoffs and it looks like we only followed your rule one time, so one time we got it at the twenty five. And the other time we gave up some free yardage.
3: Yeah, you know, we, we definitely did. And 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 you know, most egregious, you know, Chris Black taking the ball out of the end zone and then taking a knee on the seven. And um,
1: Drake was pretty close, right? Yeah, the 12, yeah,
3: but, you know, and, yeah. Yeah, and and it's just it's so stinking frustrating because they'll, you know, it's it's free money, right? I mean, you, you're not going to go broke making a profit, and and they will give you the ball in the twenty five, and anything less than the twenty five. Is neg is a negative play in my mind, uh and so you know Chris Black was the most egregious, and and you'll never see this in a stat sheet, and I w- I wish that this would be a change that they would make, but if that reported as negative eighteen yards on the return, that by itself, you know you don't have to outthink the room, but if you recorded that as a negative eighteen, um it would clean up the behavior. I, I really think that it would that. Uh, that because players don't want that kind of stat next to their name.
1: And they would mentally yeah, it might be it might be that mental thing that they need. Yep.
3: And so for all the talk well, about you know, and we talk about concussions and all of that. And the NFL is sort of leading some of the talk on this, but you know, there's all sort of people theorizing that, you know, they're gonna take the kickoff out of the game and they're gonna do all of this and all of that. You know what? It's real simple. You get the ball in the twenty five and you get a negative stat if you don't make the twenty five. And and well, so and- you know, we've had players get to the 25, get to the 25, get to the 25. You know, Trent Richardson did this, and he'd, he'd have 170 yards return. It's like, when the hell did he have 170 yards return? Oh, he just went out to the 25 a couple of times and got 50, 75, you know, 100 yards and, you know, four kickoff returns. And you think, that's the, that's the most hollow, empty stat. You know, Christian Jones did it a lot, a lot last year. I mean, he had multiple 100-yard games. And sure. you, that's the emptiest stat in football.
1: Well, I mentioned that real quick because I I know it gets you riled up, but let's just say there is a game that is close, right, at Georgia, right, or at Auburn, right, and it's late in the game and it's a three-point ball game. You know, they score a touchdown to trim it to three points and they kick it off and we pull that, you know, taking it on the seven or the 12, well – In this Chris Black situation, to be fair, I like Chris Black, but whoever did it, we're going to call it out. You know, we start at the seven. We go seven plays, 31 yards. We punt the ball. They start on that last drive at the 36-yard line. Well, guess what? If it's a two-point game or a tie ball game or something like that, they're not that far from a field goal, right? And so, you know, for the listeners – it's a huge thing, right? You go through all this. What I don't get is that Saban goes out there and finds a good punter and and plays that field position game and flipping the field, and and he knows how important that is, right? And so, you know, I think that has to be communicated to the special teams coach to communicate it to the players. And if the players still do it, I'm sorry, special teams coach has to go. Okay, and so I'm just going to put it out there that if this doesn't get corrected soon, then either the players aren't on the field doing that and I don't care who they are or the coach is no longer there because you're going to take out the people who aren't getting it done. So the coach is telling the two starters what to do. And if anybody is still not doing it, those people have to change.
3: Yeah, I I don't disagree with you, I think that's a whole other conversation, but it is uh, it I, is you know, I, I hear what you're saying because it, it it's persistent,
1: and it's it's just so darn frustrating. It's in the category of enough is enough
3: yeah, yeah and any, and, and, any, and any, it kinda, any, you know one of the more egregious instances you know was was Saturday. There's been others, you know we played Georgia a couple years ago, and we we had a number of those. uh I thought that was pretty bad. Uh, it's kind of been okay the last 2 years but it's still not where you want it uh, this was pretty bad i mean you could run out and stink and take a knee at least run out and get clobbered at the 12
1: I mean, well it, and it and, and real quick for the real quick for the listeners to show that you know we we try to we we try to bring things to the show that that we think are helpful for y'all to listen to you know everybody remembers that he did that in the game right But do people realize that he got to come right back on the field with the offense? Because you were riled up about that, right? So it really makes me wonder, where is the lesson there? You know, I wanted to see him get chewed out. And instead, I see him come out on the very next play and run with the offense that's running at the end of the game there. yeah, That was equally shocking to you and I.
3: Yeah, he absolutely got chewed out. I mean, Saban walked almost all the way down to the seven, you know, personally to to sort of chew that rear. Uh, but there he was, you know, lined up in the slot. And I get he's, you know, I get he's an upperclassman. I get that he's been hurt in fall camp. I get that that he is a highly talented player, and he just needs an opportunity to sort of break out. I get all of that, but I'm sorry that not today. And so you're going to make that kind of mistake. You're certainly not getting in this next series because you're going to come over here and get a couple more earfuls.
2: Yes. And then,
3: then if I've kind of calmed down a little bit, then I might let you run back out there. But the fact that he was just right on out there, I mean. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not it's not way, it
1: personally. It matter. Matter who it is. Correct. It doesn't matter who did the play. No. There's four minutes left in the game. Okay. Whoever was the person that did that. Right. If Dakota Ball did that, we'd be saying the same thing about Dakota Ball. With four minutes left in the game, I'm surprised they saw the field again. I understand. Yeah, I,
3: yeah. It, it's, it's just the kind of thing that you've got to somehow, one way or another, get through to a player. And one way is one way is playing time. And you say, you know what, you were going to get in here and try to get a ball. You are at least sitting out this series while we talk about that a little bit more. And uh, if, if there's time, then we look at the next series kind of as you go. And you know that as, as a player – and, again, I'm not trying to be vindictive or kind of out, out, for, out for a player because I don't believe in that. But nope. at, at the same time, you've got to have a player making good, smart, intelligent decisions, and that was just not one. I just well, found that it, very, it here. very –
1: We said the same thing with Kenyon Drake on his, right, when, when he went out of bounds at the 12th. Right. That he he shouldn't have taken the ball out there either. So we're being fair. Whoever was back there, it's real simple. If the ball is caught in the end zone, stay in the end zone. That's it. It's it's not any harder than that.
3: It's really not any harder than that. If you want to thin slice it, at least at least run it out and get clobbered. Don't run it out and then take a knee. I mean, it's I mean, you just crapped your pants.
1: That's what that is. Yep. No, absolutely. Uh, talk about Adam Griffith real quick. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, uh, not typical for him to to miss a 44 yarder and a 39 yarder. Once again, I'm glad it didn't affect the outcome of the game, um, but a uh, little little frustrating that uh, he had an 0 for two ball game.
3: It really was, and 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 you know, doubly or triply more so because you know, watching the Sports Center sort of special on him or the game day feature on him. You know, it all of a sudden it got a little dusty in the hotel room or something, I don't know what, you know, kind of hearing that story and sort of the path that he's taken. And it's just all of a sudden, you know, every housewife in America, this is their favorite player, right? Because it's such an emotional kind of kind of, you know, story that he's gone through. And so you're just really like, Oh man, let's nail a couple kicks today to sort of punctuate this day that has been sort of a celebration of your story. And I'm no less just Ecstatic for his, you know, the path that he's taken and 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 uh you know what he's overcome and and the success he's gonna be in life as as a result of that. But uh man, that would have been a really good punctuation. That's I guess that's all.
1: Yeah, it would have changed the score, right? It would have made that final score 41 Uh to 17 would have looked a lot different than 35 to 17. And um it would have obviously helped for his confidence going into uh the rest of the schedule and so uh just uh definitely a little bit frustrating there
2: yeah.
3: any,
1: any any anything else that that jumped out at you uh that you want to comment on
3: no i don't i don't think so i you know we can we can spend just a second talking about uh you know next week we play uh mtsu uh they put up uh, over 600 yards 630 or 640 yards it's uh, you know at some point you lose count uh you know 70 points now they played you know jackson state and so you know, that's that's what they did. But, you know, they are. And this is this is where I think, you know, hats off to the schedule maker. Right. Because we've talked about playing Wisconsin is sort of they kind of play to our strength. And now we're going to play a, you know, with all due respect to the opponent, they they are from a lesser league and we need to take them serious and all of that. But we're playing like a junior uh spread team. And so can can they be dangerous? Yeah, they can be dangerous. Are they going to beat us? No, I don't think there's much of a chance of that. Can they embarrass us? Can they embarrass the secondary if they're playing out of position? <clears throat> Absolutely. You have a team that knows how to scheme, that knows how to score, that plays at a fast pace, that does all of these spread things that gives, give us trouble. And so now we think we have this new sort of approach and solution and we get to go out and test drive it against a team that, at the end of the day, probably not going to beat us, probably can't hurt us that much, can embarrass us a little bit. But we can go out and 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 sort of test drive some of these schemes that we have. I think it's just genius uh, uh, scheduling.
1: No, it is. And it will be curious to see how we play this, right? You know, three years ago when we opened the season against Michigan, we come back and play a Western Kentucky and, you know, we win 35 to nothing. Um, the year after, we open against Virginia Tech and we have an open date and then bam, Texas A&M, right? Very different type of situation. So I do think that this is a nice thing for the secondary, uh, which we need uh, before we get into the rest of the SEC schedule with with some of the, you know, dual option quarterbacks that we're going to face. Um, I, I think this is going to be, you know, look at last year, right? We played a Florida Atlantic you know, following Western Virginia and one forty one to nothing. you know, I, I I really hope for a shutout. Uh, I really hope that this is a forty one nothing forty nine nothing type of game that 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 we have done. I, I guess what I'm saying is we've responded well in the past three or four years in this next game after several big opponents to start the season. Saban likes to start the season off big. So we've had West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Michigan, et cetera. And so, I hope that this is, you know, a 35 to three or a 41 to zero type of game. And uh, I really hope for the defense they don't give up a touchdown.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I share that. Uh, I don't predict it. Uh, I think, you know, a 42 to seven, uh, you know, 45, maybe to 14 uh, type game. I see them, uh, I see them sort of breaking down our. Secondary at some point, and it's not because I don't think our secondary is is good. I think they have the chance to be outstanding. I just don't, you know, they're going to improve over last week, but last week, you know, really didn't threaten the secondary. Uh, We're going to play more nickel and dime coverage, and so we're going to really take this new uh, sort of mechanic out for uh, a, a test drive, and so it'll be fun to see how it plays out uh, it's not going to be flawless it's not going to be perfect it's going to be good it's going to be trending towards better and uh we're going to learn some lessons and get some stuff on film and uh you know that's going to come uh that's going to come in exchange for some big gains and uh, potentially some scoring opportunities uh you know for
1: MTSU No absolutely man any anything else before we uh before we sign off here
3: No, I I don't have anything. I'm I'm excited. I mean, it was I am so excited that football season is back up and uh, and and going. We you know we traveled to the game, but then we tried to watch as many of the other games as we could. Uh, Landed in some really nice sports bars and uh, watching two and three and four games and waitresses and all you know as we were uh, as we were watching and uh, really really had uh, a, a good time and I'm just super excited that uh, college football is back.
1: No, absolutely, man. I, uh, I'm looking forward to the season, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this, this team continues to develop.
3: Absolutely. Well, Tom, let's come back and uh, do it again next week. What do you say?
1: All right, man. Sounds good.
3: Fantastic. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, and roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the Tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll tie.